Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hello, and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays. It's a weekly roundup of market and ETF news brought to you by ETF.com. We're the leading publication covering everything ETFs. My name is Sean Alaka. I'm editor-in-chief here, and with me are my esteemed colleagues, senior analyst Samit Roy. Say hi, Samit. Hey, everyone. And our intrepid managing editor, Heather Bell. Hey, Heather. Hey, guys. There was a lot going on this weekend, not the least of which, again, was cryptocurrency, which continues to be an absolute dumpster fire of an asset, I think, the last time I checked, I think early this week, it lost 70% of Bitcoin, lost 70% of its value since, well, I guess it was late late last year in, in November. And with the official bear market happening last week as well, the future just looks really bleak and dismal for crypto. Unfortunately, it's, it's going to be very rocky to say the least. No, on the other hand, if you're a true believer, and there are many of those you know, out there, it could be one of the best times to buy, right? I mean, you've seen what the value of Bitcoin can do. And essentially, if you buy now, it's like buying at basement bottom prices you know, in relation to the 60000 that I had you know, in recent months. Um, and if you believe all the projections from analysts that it's going to top 100000 et cetera, et cetera, I mean, you'd have to go back, a, I think, a couple of years to get prices this low, I think, in 2020. So maybe some potential upside for, for those out there. And I think rightfully so, ETF issuers are kind of taking advantage of this of this craziness and this and then the market movement and giving investors some new products to try and make a play on, on what's happening in the digital space. And I know Sumit, you did some great reporting earlier this week on some new Bitcoin products. Uh, maybe you could dive in and, and, and kick us off here with what's happening out there, if you could make any sense of it. What's going on with crypto, but how can investors kind of make make sense of, of their investments in digital? Sure, Sean. And, and we can get into that inverse Bitcoin ETF that launched this week a little later. But why don't we start with what is going on with crypto? And obviously, people are shocked to see how big this decline in crypto has been recently. It's just been crashing week after week. But from, from a certain perspective, what's surprising is how long it took for crypto to buckle. If you zoom out the high growth tech part of the market, it started crashing a long time ago. If you look at ARKK, we talked about that a lot. The sell-off started in February 2021. And if you take some other parts of the market, like soft software stocks, it started to buckle in November. So a lot of these stocks had already given up a huge chunk of their COVID rally uh, by March and April, and yet Bitcoin, Ether, and a lot of even a lot of those altcoins were not down nearly as much. Just to use ARKK as an example, it was down almost 70% at its lows in March. But at that time, Bitcoin and Ether were down about 40 to 50%. Now, today, you have Bitcoin and Ether down 70, 75%. 
which is comparable to ARKK, which is down 73%. So Bitcoin and Ether have essentially caught up to what has already happened in other parts of the, the high growth tech universe. And I think the reason why cryptocurrencies were slower to go down is there was a moment this year, right after Russia invaded Ukraine, that Bitcoin and Ether looked like genuine safe havens. The US and Europe had just cut off uh, Russia from um, their reserves at US and European banks. And that kind of fed into this bullish thesis for cryptocurrencies, uh, for censorship resistance money, if you will. But that narrative eventually faded and, and was overshadowed by, you know, what we've seen with rising interest rates and the sell-off in financial markets, the bear market in stocks, all of that. So crypto dumped like everything else, and that's led to margin calls, deleveraging. And especially since crypto markets are so leveraged and so speculative, once the market turned, it was an absolute bloodbath. So that's what we've seen, a lot of washing out of speculative leverage positions, similar to what we've seen in high growth stocks. It just happened later in crypto. But but, but what do you guys think? Um, are you shocked by uh, this crash in crypto we've seen over the last few weeks? No. <laughs> it's super volatile. Um, I mean, I still am on the fence about how I feel about it as like an investment for the average investor looking to save for retirement. I mean, Fidelity is allowing you to put it in your retirement account. I think it was right. I just I, I really don't know how I feel about it. But what I do know is that it is so insanely volatile. Um, so I don't think you want to have too much of it in your portfolio. No, for sure. And especially not in some retirement plans. I thought that was, I mean, it was, I think it was fidelity. It seems crazy, but maybe it's not. I think most people say about 1% of your portfolio, like one to 5% depending. And then even yeah. to kind of diversify cryptocurrencies within that and find, you know, not just obviously being Bitcoin or Ether, et cetera. But I think, I, I'm kind of with you, Heather. I don't know where to sit on it. I don't know what's hype and what's real, but I think the question is right. Like, do you still believe the underlying promise of the technology and kind of what it can do to reshape finance? And if, if you believe the Edelman's and well, I think Edelman told me once that it's the, well, it tells a lot of people that it's the, it's like the internet of today, you know, what the internet was to the aughts or whatever um, is, is kind of what this technology is today. And I don't know, essentially nothing has changed in terms of the technology or what's happening in DeFi and, and blockchains and all these tenants that a lot of these coins are, are tied to. So, I mean, I think there's still a lot of promise. There, there, there's a lot of potential and these fundamentals really haven't changed. It's just, you know, what has changed is the, is the external kind of forces in the market. And, you know, like you said, to me, I mean, honestly, every risk asset, I guess, is getting hammered right now. So... Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is, you know, that would be the first asset that I would take off the table in an environment like this. I mean, there's no reason not not to think that investors will first to that that smaller piece of their kind of speculative portfolio, that one to five percent. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what to say about the future of crypto. You know, this starting the the crypto winter that we've seen, or um, you know, that a lot of the naysayers probably are, are hoping for. But you know, I I would argue. Probably not. I think I think there's just too much promise in the technology, and if the underlying economy, when it comes back, and if it's not a you know if it can gain its footing 
you know, sooner than later and it's not a hard crash landing or whatever. I think people want to eventually take on more risk and I think they'll probably come back to some of these assets. I just, I, I believe in the blockchain technology. I think that has so many potential applications. Um, mm-hmm. I just think with cryptocurrencies, I, I feel like, I, I guess I'm wondering, are they necessary? Mm-hmm. I mean, the global financial systems existed for, I don't know, thousands of years before this. And yeah. did we need digital currency? I don't know. I think it's yeah. valid. I think, you know, we can make the bull case, the bear case for blockchains, for, for cryptocurrencies. But I think um, the bigger point is that, you know, a lot of people mischaracterize these as safe havens. Some people even call Bitcoin an inflation hedge. And that's clearly not the case. The risk profile for crypto assets is closer to a high growth tech stock than um, a bond or even gold, right? So for that, from that perspective, you know, you could be bullish on crypto. And even if you are, you know, you have to invest in it the same way you would an individual tech stock. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, don't put too much of your portfolio in it, even if you are a big believer. Personally, I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a believer in crypto, but I'm not going to put a huge chunk of my portfolio mm-hmm. in there because these 70, 80 percent, even 90 percent drawdowns are par for the course if you look over the history of this young mm-hmm. asset class. So people have to keep that in mind. These are not safe havens. These are more akin to speculative tech stocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the, the the confusion is that it's non-correlated and everyone throws that around, but that doesn't mean it's not going to perform exactly like, like you said, some single stocks that we've seen, except for some 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 more volatile, riskier ones. And and it does. And I I don't think it's you know. And then you also hear that it's the digital gold. You know, and that kind of narrative too, which I don't think plays out in a lot of in a lot of ways either. I mean, like you say, it's highly speculative. I, I think for the future too, more to what you were saying, Heather, as well. There was something I saw on our sister site ETF stream about, um, you know, the just does does the structure of these digital coins have inadequacies, and are they ever going to be used as you know, currencies and are they really valuable or are they just too, you know, there's such little regulation. And there was a study out from the bank for international settlements that they reported on. And it's just an interesting kind of existential question almost, you know, what happens when like these, when governments come out with their own central centralized, you know, bank, you know, digital coins, that's, you know, a lot of these governments are already well into the research um, and development stages of them, and will that kind of usurp some of the the need for these coins? Will the value still be there? I don't know. I think it's questions that are pretty interesting, and that's kind of what I always think is kind of pretty fundamental when we talk about Bitcoin itself in the future. For sure. Definitely, definitely, and I think these questions have existed ever since cryptocurrencies first emerged. You know, over. Um, you know, over a decade ago, and there a lot of them are, are still to be answered, right? Especially in terms of regulation and things like that. Um, so, you know, keep going back to this, but yeah, this is a speculative asset class. Um, it has a lot of potential, but also a lot of risk as well. So we we always have to keep that in mind. Yeah, and not to mention what it's doing, all the energy consumption, right? That was another big one oh. we always hear about from from Elizabeth Warren and things, but. But not when you're getting the energy from volcanoes. Then it's fine <laughs> and awesome because it's. But anyway, so maybe do you want to, um, 
you know, dive into a little bit about that that short um, Bitcoin and kind of explain what happened and kind of what, what you thought through your reporting? Sure, sure. So um, ProShares, it launched its short Bitcoin ETF, B-I-T-I is the ticker. If you recall, ProShares launched the first Bitcoin futures ETF last October, B-I-T-O. That was huge news. Um, so B-I-T-O, if you recall, that launched pretty much at the worst time possible, only two weeks before Bitcoin prices peaked. Um, but it was still a successful ETF. It was the fastest ETF to reach $1 billion in assets only two days. But it didn't get much higher than that. It, it peaked at $1.4 billion in assets or so. Then the floor just came out from under Bitcoin prices. And obviously, that's taken a toll on the assets in, in that fund. I think that's something like $650 million in AUM right now. The, the kind of tongue-in-cheek observation that people have is BITO launched at the top of the Bitcoin market. Maybe BITI is launching at the bottom of the Bitcoin market. But you know, I, I think it's probably a stretch to say that. You know, BITO launching at the top was a coincidence. People have been trying to get a Bitcoin ETF on the market for ages, something like eight, nine years. So its launch date was simply a reflection of when the SEC finally you know, gave that green light. And if you look historically, bear markets and Bitcoin take a long time to process. It could be months, it could be years before Bitcoin, Ether and other crypto assets start to move up again in a sustainable way. So in that sense, BITI's timing is pretty good. It, it gives you know traders a tool to play the downside in Bitcoin in what's likely to be a very volatile market for some time. On the other hand, Bitcoin, like we've talked about, is already down 70% plus. Ideally, you're going to want to short something at a higher price rather than a lower price. But, but that's not for me to say whether you know shorting Bitcoin is a good trade or not. This is a tool and it's meant to be used by short-term traders. But that's the key, short-term. This, this is an inverse ETF that rebalances daily. So your returns over a longer period of time are going to deviate significantly from what you get just shorting Bitcoin and holding that position. Just to give you a quick example, say you bought an inverse ETF that traded at $100 when the underlying assets that it's shorting is also trading at 100 then say the next day that asset goes down by 10% from 100 to 90. The inverse ETF is going to go up by 10% from 100 to 110. Then say that it goes back to where it was on day one or $100. That's a gain of 11.1% going from $90 back to $100. The inverse ETF is going to go down 11.1% as well. But that takes it from 110 to 97 point eight or so so the underlying assets back to the same place but you're down 2.2 percent that is the difficult math of holding inverse etfs over long periods of time these losses are obviously going to add up so that's why i i gotta emphasize these are for short-term traders not long-term holders heather you know you follow launches pretty closely anything about biti stand out to you um I, I think it's just kind of an obvious uh, like product to come out, given that we've got um, several future Bitcoin futures ETFs out there. Definitely. Uh, so, I mean, it's it, it, it's just uh, it's another tool in the toolbox, another way for people to play it. Um, the other thing that I was kind of looking at and what I thought was really interesting was 
Bloomberg reported that bonds were having their worst year since 1788. So it's not just risk assets that are kind of getting dinged. It's other asset classes. Yeah, it's across the board. And that sell-off in bonds that you're talking about, Heather, um, you know, worst sell-off since the 1700s or whatever. Interest rates going up is obviously having a direct impact on these risk assets because they're a lot of times they're not profitable. Um, or in the case of high growth tech stocks, those profits are going to come out far in the future. So when you discount those profits back to the present, they're worth less when interest rates are high. So it's all connected. Um, the sell-off in bonds has a direct impact on the sell-off in a lot of these high growth speculative areas in the markets. For sure. Well, it is interesting to see how kind of the, the industry is is evolving to kind of meet the needs of some of the investors, especially with the Bitcoin, with the inverse um, ETF, which like you say, Heather was bound to come about because there's just an ETF for everything, like there's an app for everything. Um, but it's, it's fun to see how the issuers kind of adapt and play these markets and give the investors their choices um, of, of what to do with their investments. So I think we should wrap up the conversation right there for now. Plenty to um, think about in terms of crypto. Especially the bond market, I hadn't seen that. That's that data point. That's making me very, very scared. But thanks for everyone out there um, in ETF land for listening. This has been Exchange Traded Fridays. Um, comes from ETF.com, a leading publication following the industry. If you'd like to go to your favorite podcast app and search for Exchange Traded Fridays, you'll find us. Be sure to tell a friend. For myself and my colleagues, Samit and Heather, thanks for very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Take care, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.